0: Welcome to the Autoimmune Thriver Method Podcast. On this podcast, we will talk about real-life, practical, and transformative methods that will leave you motivated and empowered to take an active and proactive approach to feeling alive again with autoimmune. I am Cordula Hashimoto's and PCOS Thriver, certified holistic nutritionist, your host of this show, and the founder of the Gut Health and Energy Breakthrough Program. I am deeply passionate about shining light on the immense impact nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle choices have for you to go from surviving to thriving. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have my first actually guest speaker on this brand new podcast of mine. Her name is Jessica. Jessica Velasquez, I think is her right pronunciation. I made sure I just asked her how to pronounce her last name because it's a beautiful name, but it's very difficult to pronounce for me. So here we are. And I'm super excited to have Jessica on today because I think she will deliver so much value to you guys as she is a holistic designer, I believe that is her official title, but she will introduce herself in a minute. She is a specialist in holistic design, home design and How often do we get overwhelmed just like stepping into the kitchen and trying to prep the meal plans that I'm giving you guys or giving my clients and you don't even know where do we even start because my kitchen is a mess, which can be very, very detrimental to even getting started on your health journey. So I'm super excited to have that conversation with Jessica and I just pass it on to Jessica and she can introduce herself. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Cordial, for having me here. So, my official title, I guess, would be I'm an interior designer. For the last four or five years, I've called myself the first home design specialist because I have dedicated my message to helping first time home buyers who, you know, buy this home with so many expectations and then they hit a wall with the limited budget and lack of know how and then they. They have full Pinterest boards, but empty walls because they're afraid to make mistakes. They're afraid to waste money. And they spend the majority of the first year and two sometimes without doing nothing in their home and without really enjoying the home they bought. It wasn't until last year when I went deep into self-care, I learned about the seven pillars of self-care. I actually hosted a conference with self-care experts in that industry, from nutrition to fitness to meditation to perfectionism and all these self-care topics. After that conference, when I actually decided that I would switch my message into being more explicit about self-care and the home, because all along... I guess without me even knowing it was related, self-care and our spaces, self-care, self-awareness and our physical surroundings are interrelated and, and there's no doubt about it. So my message has changed to a holistic approach to interior design, one where it's not so much about colors and pillows and couches, but about your lifestyle And the vision you have for yourself, for your family in this place, in these four walls that you now call home. And that approach is so much more fulfilling than talking about what's your style and what's your favorite color, but more, let me understand the vision that you have for this home and let's start there rather than somewhere else.
0: I love that. So it's really more in tune with the energy that you're creating in your own house to support your lifestyle, to support your feelings of well being also in that environment that you're creating for yourself, maybe tackling overwhelm and clutter that can also clutter up our minds. It's a very interesting direction that you have taken in that space because it's not something that you hear a lot about with other interior designers.
1: Yeah, I always say that style follows lifestyle.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: You want to start with your lifestyle first and then make it pretty. No amount of beautiful lambs, stylish furniture, expensive wallpaper. None of that is going to fix the problems if we don't address the problem first. You know, it could be a small space with oversized furniture. And even if you bring a beautiful couch, sectional, you know, you call it the way you want to call it, it's still not going to fit. Or you could have a kitchen that is cluttered and you may want to put the most beautiful marble countertops. But if your covers are cluttered and if your food is expired and if you don't have space to move, that beautiful countertop is not going to fix it. So we got to go down to the root of the problem, to our lifestyle, to our vision, to then make it pretty. But most people want to do it backwards because the fun thing, the sexy thing is to go shopping. Yes. (laughs) But we have to stop ourselves and take two, 10 steps back and make sure we're doing it right from the beginning.
0: That's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about how you actually do that in your business. When you're meeting with somebody, let's say you would be meeting with one of my clients, for example, who is really trying hard on changing her habits and is trying to get into the habit of meal prepping and meal planning. And her kitchen space is not designed in a way that helps her to get strategic with chopping vegetables and having everything in in order so that she can actually meal prep. What would be your approach on helping this person to create a space that works for her? How would you address that? Let's divide
1: this person into two categories. The one who has an unlimited budget, and or let's just say a larger budget, and can redo the whole kitchen. There are solutions, there's a different plan for this person then to the second person who has the kitchen that came with the home and they don't have the budget or the time or the mental space to get everything down and built from scratch. And that's going to be very different because for number one, we could probably do the, you know, the dream kitchen based on budget. And number two, we have to work with what they have. So, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we want to concentrate on the second person, the one who has to work with what they Correct. have. Okay, perfect. Okay, just wanted to clarify that because there are obviously different circumstances and in, in different ways of approaching this. So for the person that wants to work with the kitchen they have, and we're not talking in a, about a major renovation, then the best way is to sit down, whether with me or you know with the homeowner herself, just have a conversation, okay. What's bothering me? What's not working? Answers could be like, I'm frustrated. I can't find what I need. I don't have space in my counter to meal prep, to chop, to wash vegetables. Let's go one level deeper. Okay, why? Why don't you have the space? It could very well be that there is no counter space. Some kitchens are very small, but then we know that's what we need to fix. It could very well be that there are a lot of things on the counter. And why are there so many things on the counter? Let's go one level deeper. Okay, I don't have pantry space or I don't have covers. Why don't you? Do you see what I'm doing? I'm going to the why, the root of the problem, to then see what we can do to solve that. So once we've understood... What is bothering? What's the root of the problem? Then we talk about the vision. Okay, how do you see yourself using this space? It's kind of giving ourselves permission to dream and say, okay, you know, I, I see myself cooking with my children right by my side and having everything handy and having a space to prep, a space to clean, a, you know, talking about zones and all that. So, okay, what can we do to then adapt that to the space you have, and what can we do to then make it inspiring to you? Because a holistic design has to have two components, the functionality and the inspiration behind the space where you're at. It could be very functional, but you also want to make it, you know, inspiring to you, a a space that kind of fills your soul, space that you you walk in and you're like, ah, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. I love that. There might be dishes in the sink. There might be, you know, plates on the counter that no one washed, but, you know, I look around and I still like it. So there's those two components. So go back down to self awareness, meditate. It has, it needs to take, you know, that mental space for you to answer those questions. Why is it that I'm, I don't feel comfortable? What's not helping me? What's not supporting me? And why?
0: That is amazing information. So what stood out to me, number one, was the notion of it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple solutions that you can integrate with your budget. And the second notion that stood out to me was it's all about the feeling and dig in a little bit deeper as to why, always the why behind the how I like to say that which is really the holistic approach to everything. I like that the why behind the how the how will come when you have the why in place. So this is what I had just heard what you said is you basically sit down and ask questions
1: hmm <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. That, that's why I talk a lot about self-awareness, because we need to be aware of what's not working. And we cannot assume that everybody cooks the same. You could come and say and, and tell me, I want a beautiful kitchen. Uh, wait a second. <laughs> a beautiful kitchen to you might mean, and pretty much will be something completely different to another person, another, and another. So we can't assume that we understand what beauty means to everyone. I bet that we have different ways of cooking. So let's not take those things for granted. And let's go to self-awareness. And yes, we need to know the why. Part of that questioning yourself has to include your priorities and why. When you understand why you should Solve one, two, and three before four, five, and six. It's key. It's going to ground your decisions. It's going to ground your purchases. And, And I'll tell you a quick story to illustrate that. I have a small kitchen myself. I have a big island, but small counter space where I can put the microwave and containers and the toaster and all that. Actually, right beside my stove, I think I have 18 inches on one side and 24 inches on the other side. That's it. Everything else can go on the island, but I can't put the microwave on the island. I do have what they call a butler's pantry. It's a walk-in pantry, but it was full of shelves. So I decided that I was going to turn that into an extension of my kitchen with cabinets and counter space and then open shelves on top. That was my purpose, my objective. My why was that I wanted to free counter space in the kitchen so I can have more, you know, more space to work around, especially right beside the stove. I started shopping. I had a budget. I always have a budget. So I have my budget and I found some cabinets secondhand. I found this beautiful floor to ceiling, kind of your dream cabinet to have in a pantry. But if I were to buy that one, which looked really good, my counter space would have been in the inside the butler's pantry would have been reduced. What's my why behind doing all this reno? Is to have more counter space. And that was my priority. Because I had a clear understanding of that, I disregarded that beautiful cabinet because it was not aligned with my priorities. And now I have I finished the the makeover I have a beautiful butler's pantry. We moved the microwave, we moved the toaster. I have space beside my kitchen on each side of my stove. I'm happy, but I needed to understand the why. So as your listeners are going through their kitchen and analyzing, okay, what's not working? What changes am I going to implement? Make sure that everyone understands the why because it's going to help you as you make decisions.
0: Yes, beautiful, beautiful. That's very, very helpful. And I like that for myself too, because I have to say, I have to admit that I am struggling with clutter on my kitchen counter, and it absolutely definitely influences the way I cook. And not only that, but I would like to take it one step further in saying that, and that comes from my holistic nutritionist um, perspective, is that have you ever found that the meal that you cook with love, tastes so much different than a meal that you just randomly throw together on the go. Absolutely. Like, it is true. The more love you put into your cooking and your meals and uh, your preparation, the better it tastes and the more nutritious it is. And so... Also,
1: the more excited you are... Yes. ...to to share it.
0: (laughs) Yes. And it's, for me personally, when my kitchen is in a good state of order and I do my cooking... I enjoy it so much more. There's positive energy. I I put my meals together for myself and my family and I have my children around me and they can help and they can have a conversation with me without having tons of things on my kitchen counter. But it's the clutter that I find is accumulating over time that is really taking the fun out of it. And honestly, the clutter in itself, I find for myself, but also for my clients, and maybe you see that in your space as well, is that it really influences your positive decision-making and your new well-being. Would you say that that is true? 100%.
1: 150%. Yeah. I find that most of the time when I go to someone's homes to look at, you know, changing the entrance and the living room, they say the space is not inspiring to me. I I don't like it. I don't feel it's my home. Most of the time, what I see is clutter or things out of place or extra furniture that it's cluttering, even cluttered walls. So, yes, I agree. I think at, at the root of everything, a lot of things go back to clutter. And the kitchen, it's a really common place where to accumulate clutter. It's not just about accumulating food, it's all the artifacts and the utensils and the cool things that are thrown at our face, you know, Instagram, at the supermarkets, um, Pinterest, you name it, right? All these gadgets that you're like, wow, I gotta have that. Yes. <laughs> and I think that one of the problems is that we either have a compulsive buyer problem, we're, we're buying more than what we need. Number two, we don't get rid of anything. Or number three, we have a storage problem and those three need to be addressed separately.
0: That's great, that's great advice, I love that. I love those three aspects to it because, yeah, it's always one of those three for sure and most of the time all three of them are involved in, in your lifestyle clutter that you're accumulating in your life. I would actually like to go and talk a little bit about bedrooms for a second oh yes yes i say bedrooms because in my space one of the biggest struggles as well besides the, the the kitchen and the cooking is creating a space where people with chronic inflammation with an autoimmune are actually going into in order to rest rejuvenate and heal and so I talk a lot about creating an environment in the bedroom that is really rejuvenating for somebody with inflammation because we have to focus on our stress levels that we need to bring down in the bedroom. What I see nowadays is it just turns into another living space where there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of light fixtures that are coming in and disrupting our sleep. So I would like to ask you some ideas and your take on bedroom design and how it can help us to achieve that state of rejuvenation and relaxation, if you don't mind.
1: Not at all. I think the problem with bedrooms is that it's the last place we tend to design or decorate in our homes because no one goes there. When I say no one is no one aside for, you know, from ourselves. We tend to go to the entrance and the living room, the dining room and the kitchen because that's what everyone sees. And we leave our bedrooms last, but we are the ones who are using it. So we should be the best reason to tackle our bedrooms and make it a priority. That's one thing. Another thing is that bedrooms tend to become the catch-all place for everything and anything that doesn't have a place anywhere else in the home. And we need to find solutions for that. So the first thing is you look at your bedroom and tell me what is it? What what don't you like about your bedroom? What's not supporting, you know, this relaxation and this sanctuary that should be yours every morning and every night. Talk to me about what is the vision that you have for this space? How would you like to use it? And I had a client once who said, well, we do in the bedroom things that I don't want to tell you. Like, that's not what I'm asking. (laughs) I was asking, you know, in your personal time, do you want to meditate here? Do you want to journal? Do you want to read? For other some people, it would be, no, I do that in my office, or I do that in my living room by my window. So this is not the place. But for other people, this is their personal space. Yes, here's where I read my scriptures, my book. I, this is where I journal. This is where I like to exercise. So we got to look at that. What is that vision? Mm-hmm. let's see, okay, let's look at the space and then analyze if we can turn it into a system that will support that vision. Now remember, let's, we're dealing with space, right? That is fixed. So now we have to deal also with the size of the bed, the size of the dresser. What can we have here that could go somewhere else? Or what kind of furniture can we bring that will solve storage, for example? very simple things. We tend to buy bedrooms that are matchy-matchy. We don't need to buy the bed that matches the dresser, that matches the night table. We don't need to do that. Night tables tend to be very small. So instead of buying the small night table, buy the larger one, like the larger dresser. There are some dressers that are, the height is at the height of the bed. So buy those and use those as your night table. And now you have more storage space for whatever else is lying on the floor or in boxes. If you have space for a bench with storage, then integrate that. Bring a chair that will let you sit down and read, bring task lighting. So there are things that you could do to replace the furniture that is not supporting that vision and bring some that are double duty furniture. I'll tell you a quick story that comes with bedrooms. my husband, during COVID, during a pandemic, brought home the ugliest lamp. See, <laughs> And he was so proud. He was so happy. He was at a secondhand store and he bought this lamp. He came through the door look what I found. <laughs> I must have looked at him with this face because his smile just dropped. I'm like, you're not putting that in my living room. So we compromised and he put it in the bedroom. Around that time, we had to switch furniture, rearrange what we had because one of our sons was isolating out, you know, somewhere else. He came home. Furniture got switched around. This one accent chair ended up in our bedroom right by the ugly lamp. (laughs) This one lamp has turned that corner into my husband's sanctuary. Nice. That small space where this one lamp and this accent chair resides is his corner. And he sits there every day and he reads. And it's just become his self-care space. He, he would never call it like that. That's beautiful. But, you know, it's like it's the same point that I said at the beginning. A space that supports you, it just has to fill your soul and sustain that vision that you have for yourself. He didn't have that space. And I guess I, I missed it. Now he has that space, so can we do that in your bedrooms? Can you, your listeners, do something similar in your bedrooms? I'm not saying go buy an ugly lamp. What I'm saying is just think really deeply about what you want to do in this room. What will satisfy that? What will make it the perfect space? And give yourself permission to
0: dream. Integrate it, plan it with intention. Don't just dream it, plan it. It's beautiful what you said, because it really exemplifies the notion of vision and the notion of the feelings attached to the space that you are trying to create. And then it doesn't matter if it is an ugly lamp or something else, as long as it meets your vision. And there's no one size fits all, right? It's so personalized and so unique to yourself that, you know, you should not start to compare your space with anybody else's. And uh It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story.
1: Yeah. And that comparison trap you just mentioned is so prevalent in everyone. I mean, we have at our disposal, beautiful photos from Instagram, the Internet, Pinterest. And that would many times keep us in a space where we don't want to do it wrong. We don't want anyone to see and criticize our choices. But we got to remember what you just said, There's not a single answer, a cookie cutter answer for everyone. We're all different and you can look for answers everywhere. But at the end, that space needs to be very personal to you. And if we talk about our bedroom again, make sure you hang something above your bed, you know, on the sides, look at the corners, hang something pretty to look at that when you wake up, you know, it's just Makes you happy and brings some smile to your face just by looking at it. Give yourself permission to buy a pretty pillow. Nice. Just a blanket. Surround yourself with photos of your family, maybe a trip. Use the things that you have bought on a trip. You bought them for a reason because you love them. Use them to decorate, to brighten up your day because you're looking at things that you love. Again, maybe your bed is not made, but you have a pretty photo on your walls. That's going to compensate You can make your bed after, but at least you're filling your soul with those things that make you happy.
0: I love that so much, Jessica, especially when you said it makes you feel happy when you wake up in the morning. And isn't that beautiful when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you feel the first feeling that you're feeling is a feeling of happiness and joy rather than worry and pain. And so this is really something that is a big takeaway from me personally because I need to redo my bedroom a little bit for sure. It's just to start the day off right and get the mind in the in the right place and then start your day off. And that is what I call the holistic design that you just described the the holistic part to it. So Thank you very much for sharing all of this wisdom with us. I really much appreciate that. And I think the listeners were able to take away a lot of tangible tips and tricks they can start to implement into their days as well. Thank you so much. So where would people be able to find you, Jessica, if they wanted more information or inspiration around what we just discussed?
1: They could go, they could go to several places, but I'm gonna take them to the direct link to my free book. It's theselfcarehome.com. So just as simple as that. The selfcarehome.com. Once they're in that page, they can download a free ebook with a lot of information. It gives you, it walks them through the process of self-awareness. It talks about the four keys of a home that takes care of you. There are four keys and worksheets that go along with each one of them, ideas, practical ideas to bring joy into your space. And it will also give you access to a self-care home conference that I hosted last year with guest interviews. They're experts in the self-care field as well, so they can have access to that and to a decorating guide that I created a couple of years ago. So it's packed with information. The clients, the students that I have that have gone through the process of going to self-awareness first and creating a home that takes care of them have seen a massive change in the way they shop for their homes and i'm using their words and it makes me so happy that they're changing those habits to then create space that nurture the right habits so the selfcarehome.com is the
0: place. Amazing. That sounds amazing. I will actually myself go right on it and, and download it all for my own purposes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I will also drop that information in the show notes. So people have that available if they wanted to tap into that information. Jessica, it was a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me and my listeners. It was absolutely beautiful to have that conversation with you thank you thank you for having me